0: God, we just choose to praise you right now. We're so blessed to be in your presence. We're so grateful um, to have Dave singing and leading us again. We're so grateful to be together as a family of God, gathered to hear your word today. And Lord, we want from the bottom of our heart to be able to say yes to you. We want to be able to say yes to you in every area of our life. And so, God, we pray that you build a strong faith in us so that we can say yes. Surrender our lives to follow you wherever you say, whenever you call us. It's not easy to do. We can't do it apart from your spirit. Begin that work in us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Have a seat. So last week uh, we began our series on, and uh, Pastor Ron shared with us that Jonah was a prophet. He was called by God to be God's voice to his people. It was a privilege that God gave him. And Jonah did this faithfully for many years, as Ron mentioned to us last week. He had a track record. But then one day God called Jonah out of his comfort zone, which God does to us now and then, doesn't he? And he told Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and speak to the Ninevites. And the Ninevites were these evil, cruel, scary people. And so what did Jonah do? Well, Jonah said no. And he tried to ignore God and ran the opposite direction. And instead of going to Nineveh, well, Jonah headed down to Joppa, a port city on the edge of the Mediterranean Sea. And he got onto a ship. He paid a high price for that ticket to head all the way out to Tarshish on the southern tip of Spain. You see, God had called him, appointed him for a special privilege. He brought him near, and Jonah, all he wanted to do was distance himself from God. Now, it's easy for us to point fingers at Jonah and say, what in the world are you doing? (laughs) But don't we do this too? I mean, if we're really honest... Can't we see that we are like Jonah, and in so many ways, we also run away from God. We tend to drift away and run from his call, his call to share our faith, his call to be with his people, his call to obey his commands, to walk closely with his heart. We run away. You know, sometimes we're just running and running and running, like Forrest Gump, and we just don't know why, but we're running. (laughs) And other times we know exactly why. You know, maybe there's something that we have pursued and we're chasing after a pleasure that we think will give us more satisfaction than God will. Maybe that's what we're doing. And we're making dis- excuses for our disobedience. And we're entertaining ourselves and, and trying to fill our heads with so many other things to block out God's voice, to distract ourselves, to hide ourselves from him. Or maybe we're just angry. Angry. Or bitter because we feel that God disappointed us, didn't show up when we needed him to, and so we just turn our head and we walk away, and we're running from God. I don't know about you, but for me, I'm really disappointed at how often and how easy it is for me to run from God. It's almost like we all have this runaway inside of us. There's a little boy who disobeyed his father, and he got in pretty big trouble. And so the boy, his face got really super red, and he was frustrated and angry, and he went to his closet, and he grabbed some clothes. He grabbed his little teddy bear. He grabbed his piggy bank, and he announced to the family, I'm running away from home. His dad calmly looked at him and said, well, son, what are you going to do if you get hungry? The little boy said, well, then I'll come home to eat. <laughs> and the dad said, well, then what about if you run out of money? And the little boy said, well, 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 then I'll come home and get some. And then the dad asked him, well, what happens if your clothes get dirty? And the little boy said, well, then I'll come home and, and mommy will wash them. And the dad shook his head, looked at his wife and said, well, this boy's not running away from home. He's getting ready to go to college. There's a little bit of runaway in all of us, right? And I think we start to wonder, you know, when we're running from God, we start to wonder to ourselves, you know, how does God react when we're running away? What is his response? I mean, does he just get upset and angry? Does he just shake his head in disgust? Does he just let us walk off? These are important questions to ask, things that we wonder about God, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. And so I encourage you to grab your message notes out of your program if you haven't done that yet. And if you have a Bible, open it up to Jonah chapter one. If you don't have a Bible with you today, don't worry about that. You can follow the verses up on the screen, and we're going to get started here in talking about how is it that God responds when we're on the run. So our first point is this. It's that God's mercy is greater than my selfishness. God's mercy is greater than my selfishness. You ever wonder why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh? We've mentioned these Ninevites were evil people, brutal people. They were some of the most brutal people on earth. They would strike acts of terror that deeply caused people to be afraid. When they would conquer a city, they would literally gather men, women, and children and skin them alive, put their skins on the walls of the city, bury them alive up to their neck, pull out their tongues and drive a peg through their tongue so that they would die of thirst and starvation. They would be head people and make rows and mounds of heads outside of the city gates. In order to make a statement, this is what happens to anyone who opposes us. See, much like ISIS, just the thought of these Ninevites would strike people with terror. Their hearts were evil and their hands were full of blood. And so, if you put yourself in Jonah's shoes, I mean, really, I know what I would be saying is almost like these people are so evil, they don't even deserve God's grace and mercy. Jonah was more filled with fear than he was with faith, because it was very common as a prophet that they would speak words of judgment against foreign nations. But God called him to go to Nineveh, to look at these people face to face, pronounce God's judgment upon them, and tell them that they needed to turn from their ways. See, ultimately, God had a plan to deliver them from darkness, but it would require Jonah to answer the question, are you willing to obey me to the point That it will cost you everything? (laughs) Jonah said, "Uh, no. And he ran. He was focused on his fear. He was focused on his pride. He was focused on his own sense of justice. He did not see the Ninevites through God's eyes. He didn't have God's heart. And instead, he was just running. So he's on this boat, right? And he's heading off... To Tarshish, heading to Club Med for sunshine and sangrias. <laughs> He's pushing God out of his head. He's sleeping soundly in his bed. But, oh, dear Jonah, you can run, but you cannot hide. It says in Jonah 1.4, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. Such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. It says here, who sent the storm? God sent the storm the storm. In fact, a better translation of this, and you'll find this in some other translations, is that God hurled a wind at the sea to create this great storm. And the ship was being pounded by these waves, waves rising up, waves crashing down. It seemed like they were facing the very wrath of God. But you see, it wasn't God's wrath that sent the storm. It was God's mercy The same mercy that God had for the people of Nineveh that called Jonah to go was the mercy of God that was calling Jonah back to himself. Now, we all face storms. Maybe you're in a storm right now. Storms overwhelm us. They crash down on us. They tear us apart. But not every storm is from God, right? We know this. We live in a fallen world and... (laughs) The fallen world produces storms of its own. But here's the deal. God does sometimes send storms. And how do we know if a storm is from God? Well, there's a purpose behind it. And I think there's a message in it. Jonah 1.5 says, All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship." But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell fast asleep. Now, we know from history that these were Phoenician sailors. That's who was at Joppa. The best of the best, skilled, experienced mariners who'd seen many a storm before, weathered many very powerful storms. Yet these men knew there was no norm in this storm. The crew was white knuckled with panic and fear, and they couldn't defend themselves. And so they knew that it was so fierce and so powerful that it was not a natural storm. This was a supernatural storm. A God must be offended, must be offended. And so they were seeking out from all the gods they believed in to find out which God it was. Desperate. They were polytheists. They believed in many gods, and they were calling on all of them to save them. While Jonah? (laughs) Jonah's fast asleep in the belly of the boat. He's hiding out, which kind of says a few things about Jonah. First of all, Jonah is avoiding and distancing himself from these foreign sailors. You see, there's a problem that the Jews had they knew they were the chosen people and they thought that meant they were special. And they needed to separate themselves from all the riff-raff. But you see what God had chosen them for was in order to go and be his messengers, to go out to the world and share hope and life and salvation. Maybe that sounds a little familiar. That we as Christians are also called to go out and be God's hands and feet and his heart to the world. And our question is, are we going to do that? Or maybe we're going to act more like the Israelites of old and focus on ourselves, preserve ourselves and look at everybody else as outsiders. And instead of linking our hearts with them, we look at them with judgment and condemnation and repel the people that God's trying to draw to us for salvation. Maybe we're sleeping through God's call, plugging our ears to the cries of a lost and broken world. Are we Jonah? Well, God's about to wake Jonah up. He's about to shake him up in order to show him these foreign sailors are actually doing what he should be doing. <laughs> See, the sailors are crying out, To the only gods they know, even though they didn't know the true God, you see, they were totally, totally devoted, which is more than we can say about Jonah, right? God is hurling a storm. The sailors are hurling over their cargo. There's a lot of hurling going on. These men were tossing out their very livelihood, their precious goods, the things that put food on the table for their families in order to lighten the ship, or maybe even just as a way, as a sacrifice to try to appease their gods. They're seeking God with all their life while Jonah's drooling on his pillow. And after calling on every God they could think of, <laughs> searching everywhere, in great humility, they turned to Jonah to hope maybe he might know a God I could save them. Jonah 1.6 says, the captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God, and maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Kind of ironic here <laughs> that the captain has to tell Jonah to pray. He wakes Jonah up with the words, arise, Wake up and call. These are the exact same words that God had used to call Jonah. So here we are. Jonah, the prophet called by God to go to the pagans to share God's word. And it's actually the pagans that are telling Jonah God's words. God's words are in his very mouth. Sometimes the culture can speak to us. The captain is begging Jonah to pray for them. Pray for him and his men. He's counting on Jonah to be their way, to be their hope. But Jonah's running and hiding his identity. The sailors have no idea who Jonah is, no idea what he does. And Jonah likes it that way. It's his great secret, which brings us to our next point, that God's mercy is greater than my secrets. God's mercy is greater than my secrets. Jonah refused to give up, refused to give in. He just wanted to hide out, kind of blend in, disappear. But the storm is growing worse and raging. The boat is falling apart. The sailors are desperate. And so they begin to start to rely on some old ancient practices to try to discern the will of the gods. It says in Jonah 1-7, the sailors said to each other, come, let's cast some lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. (laughs) Now, if you haven't heard of casting lots, it was an ancient practice. They would use a couple of smooth, flat stones. And one side of the stone, each stone, was light. The other side was dark. And they would throw them like dice. They'd throw these lots like dice. And if they would come and they'd land both on the light side, that meant the answer was most likely yes. If it landed on the dark side, well, that meant that you belonged to Darth Vader. Sorry, Star Wars joke. It meant no. And if one was light and one was dark, then that meant it was undetermined. And so here they are casting lots. Is it the captain? No. Is it the professor? No. Is it Gilligan? No. Is it Jonah? Yes, 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 it's Jonah. And Jonah's secret is out. That's kind of what happens with secret sin. It leaks out. <laughs> Moses warned the Israelites once with these words in the book of Numbers. It comes after Deuteronomy. <laughs> Numbers 32, 23 says, But if you fail to keep your word, then you will have sinned against the Lord, and you may be sure that your sin will find you out. Yes, your sin will find you out. You can run, but you cannot hide. King David discovered this when he tried to hide the secret that he had slept with another man's wife. And God sent someone to reveal that sin. You know, we're tempted to kind of hide when we sin hide out. It's really hard to hide from a God that knows everything. (laughs) So Jonah can't hide any longer and all of a sudden he's got a lot of questions to answer. Jonah 1, 8 and 9. So they asked him, tell us who's responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. The sailors were hurling questions at him like a firing squad. They wanted to understand everything about him because they believed that gods were attached to everything, where you live, what people you were from, what you did. And they were thinking that if they could just roll through and find out all the gods that maybe were attached to Jonah, they were searching for the right one so they could find mercy and live. And here's another opportunity that Jonah had, that God hand-delivered to him. Here is his moment to redeem himself. They are begging Jonah for God. And Jonah had the message. Jonah was the messenger. <laughs> but he kept it a secret. And only under great pressure did he begin to crack in just a bit. And he reveals to them that he is a Hebrew who worships the Lord God who created heavens and the earth and the seas, and the sailors realized they'd heard of this God. This was the God of Moses who overthrew Pharaoh and delivered the Israelites from slavery. This was the God of Joshua who crumbled the walls of Jericho, and the sailors began to fear. Jonah one ten, this Terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he'd already told them so. Jonah stands guilty before these burly men of the sea. He'd betrayed them, he'd hid his identity, he'd hid his God, and you'd think these guys would have given him a yo ho heave ho and thrown him off the ship. they had too much respect for Jonah's God to do that. And they didn't want to anger the God of Jonah. What have you done? They just couldn't comprehend the idea that Jonah would purposely disobey and run away from God and sin against him, this almighty God. And then they realized too that their lives stand in danger because of what Jonah had done. Isn't it worked that way? You ever notice how it works that way? That when we create storms in our life, it doesn't just affect us. We'd like to believe that's the truth. You see, we're not in the boat by ourselves. And when we create a storm, somebody else gets wet. Jonah created a storm and it sent ripples out to everyone that was there. Everyone was in distress. All their lives were in danger. Sin affects everyone and everything around us. We're all in the same boat. But Jonah refused to admit this or deal with it. And as the hearts of these sailors continue to become softer and softer, Jonah's heart seems to become harder and harder, which leads us to our last point, that God's mercy is even greater than our stubbornness. Because <laughs> that's what running away from God does to us. It hardens our heart. It creates a stubborn heart. Jonah refused to repent. He refused to bend and do what God had asked him to do. You know, he could have just run to God and said, God, please just forgive me. Please save me and save these men who are with me. Did he do that? No, he's stiff-necked, hard-hearted, stubborn as a mule. Jonah 1, 11 and 12. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. And so they asked him, "What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us?" And Jonah says, "Pick me up and throw me into the sea, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault and this great storm has come upon you." Joseph Joseph Joseph. I didn't say Moses, Ron. I said Joseph. <laughs> Jonah says, "I'd rather die then see God's mercy. Now, this is no flannel graph Bible hero, right? I mean, Jonah is a mess. But here's the thing just as we've said, there's so much of Jonah in us. I mean, can't you see yourself here? I can. You know, kind of standing on the edge of a cliff just one act of disobedience away from sin hardening and hardening and hardening so that we end up doing something stupid something we never could dream that we would do the book of hebrews warns us against this the power and deceptiveness of sin hebrews 3:12 to 13 says see to it brothers and sisters that none of you has a sinful unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Sin's kind of like like modeling clay, right? You know, you have it and it's moldable, it's flexible, it's pliable, it's smooth, it's great, and then it starts to get harder to the point where it's inflexible, immovable. That's what sin does to our heart. And one of the greatest tragedies of wanting away from God is that we start to see God's mercy flowing around us instead of through us. See, the mercy of God is much more powerful than our stubbornness. And we can stand firm like a rock in a stream. But the flow of God's mercy will just rush past us to someone else who's ready to receive it. Jonah 1, 13 to 15 says, instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. And then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. These sailors were incredibly merciful to Jonah, undeserved. They did everything they could. They rowed with all their might, with all their strength to avoid Jonah, throwing him overboard to a certain death. It just seemed inevitable. There was nothing else they could do. And so their only hope was to actually do the inevitable the crazy and to throw Jonah overboard calling on God's mercy at the same time and how incredibly beautifully tragic it is that the mercy of God did flow to these sailors while the prophet Jonah sunk to the bottom of the sea from the weight of his stone cold heart and then the storm went quiet Jonah 1:16 at this, the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. And there was an overwhelming calm, an eerie peace, and presence. And even though Jonah didn't answer the call of God, the sailors did. <laughs> you see, God used Jonah despite himself. <laughs> Deliverance salvation. The sailors found the true, merciful, powerful God, and they responded with awe and reverence and worship and pledged their lives to God, which calls our minds to another story of another group of men who were huddled in a boat when a raging storm came and a man was sleeping in the bottom of the boat. In Mark chapter 4, it tells us that the disciples were with Jesus And they're out on the lake and the wind and the waves start to wail and they're worried they're going to lose their lives. And Jesus is sleeping and the disciples wake him up, Lord, Lord, the storm, don't you care that we're drowning? And Jesus says, peace, be still. And the wind and the waves stop. And the men realize Jesus has power over the storm. And you can know that whatever storm you are in, Jesus has power over that storm as well. And so what we learn from this story is not, don't be like Jonah. Because <laughs> if that's all we get out of this, we're missing the main point. You see, there's too much Jonah in all of us, right? The real message here is the power of God's mercy, not the power to get us to run back to God, but the power to realize that God runs back to us. And the ultimate storm of God's mercy is not the storm that rocked a runaway prophet, But the storm that God hurled on Jesus Christ, his only son, in order that he may take the wrath of God that we deserved, that Jesus' death on the cross calmed that storm, and he saved us as we were drowning, drowning in our selfishness, drowning in our secrets, drowning in our stubbornness, that Jesus reaches out to save us from matter, no matter how lost, no broken house rebellious we are how incredibly deep is God's mercy right how unfathomable the riches of his grace incomprehensible his love and I encourage you don't turn your head don't close your eyes don't walk away from this savior but look into his eyes and cast your heart at his feet you see god's mercy is greater than your mess and let the grace of god wash over you and spill over to everyone around you you've been running right running so hard so long so fast, so far, and you feel distant from God, just turn around and you'll discover that He's right there. So what of our friend Jonah? <laughs> well, Jonah is sinking down, 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 buried beneath the sea Is this runaway prophet Run out of time, run out of hope, or will mercy rise from a watery grave? Well, that, my friends, is a tale for another time. <laughs> Let's pray. Abba, Father, your grace is amazing, your goodness uncomprehensible, that when we run, when we hide, You come looking for us. So for all the runners in the room, God, we pray. You help us hear your voice. Come back to me. And we would respond, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I come. I admit I've been running. I need you tired of turning away and watching my world fall apart. I'm tired of chasing after things that don't matter. I'm tired of storms following my life. Calm the storm of my heart. Make me new. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.